Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your family, families are doing well and are blessed. And we are on the subject of, uh, of uh, our identity and our authority in Christ Jesus. And so today we're going to start talking about who we are in Christ Jesus and why it is important for us to know who we are in Christ Jesus. And I begin by this uh, scripture in the book of Philemon, or, or Philemon as we say in Swedish, chapter 1, verse 6. So in Philemon 1, 6, and these uh, are the words of uh, the Apostle Paul writing to Philemon, and this is what he says. He says, and I pray that the participation in and sharing of your faith may produce and promote full recognition and appreciation and understanding and precise knowledge of every good thing that is ours in our identification with Christ Jesus and unto his glory. Wow. Let me read this again. And I pray that the participation in and the sharing of your faith, it may produce, listen to this. What he's saying to Philemon is this, that, oh, Philemon, I pray that you may have full recognition and full appreciation and full understanding and precise knowledge of every good thing that is ours in our identification with Christ Jesus. What he's saying is that we identify ourselves with Christ Jesus. So it is important for us as believers to have a full and complete recognition, full and complete appreciation, full and complete uh, understanding and precise knowledge of every good thing that is ours in Christ Jesus, right? So that is why it's important for us to know who we are in Christ, what is ours in Christ, and that God wants us to have a full and total and precise recognition and understanding of who we are in Christ and what is ours in Christ. And that is why I'm teaching this subject because um, you see, everything is positional. Like for example, in our in, in the way we stand against Satan, everything is positional. If we know who we are in Christ, then we stand strong and we, we know who we are in Christ. We know how much power authority we have and what belongs to us. And, you know, and not just facing Satan, but uh, in any area of faith, it is important for us to know who we are in Christ and what is ours in Christ, because then we have a good solid ground to stand on uh, when we pray, when we ask God for anything, or when we take authority over any situation. It's important for us to know, uh, uh, you know, more than just this, that when I'm saved, I'm going to go to heaven, which is wonderful. Please don't get me wrong. But it is important for us to know and have a, what he's talking about is full recognition and I've written it down, full recognition and appreciation and understanding and precise knowledge. That means we should have full recognize, we should fully recognize what is ours and appreciate and understand, have a precise knowledge and understanding of every good thing that is ours in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. So we're going to look at some of these scriptures that tell us who we, who we are in Christ Jesus, in, in Christ Jesus. There are many, many scriptures in the New Testament that tell us 
what is ours in Christ, but we are going to go through a few of them and that will give us a good understanding. Okay, the first one I want to share is 2 Corinthians 5.21. And this says, for God has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That means, this is the first one. That means that Jesus, who knew no sin, God made him to be sin for us. That means that God took our sin and put it upon Jesus, right? So that's how Jesus was made sin, because our sins were put upon him. Why? So that we may be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So we, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, that's the first thing we have to <coughs> recognize and understand that we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. It's not just like we are, uh, like some people assume we are counted righteous. We are not really righteous, but God looks at us as if we are righteous. No, that's not what it says. It doesn't say that we are still sinners, but God looks at us as if we are righteous, like he gives us an honorary, yeah, that's the word we use, an honorary righteousness. That means we are not really righteous, but he gives us an honorary righteousness so we can call ourselves righteous without really being righteous. No, that's not what it is. It has, God has made us. He has made us the righteousness of God in him. Now, who's, who is the one who said that? God said it. I didn't make it up. Nobody make it up. So if that upsets you, if you, you know, some people have a religious mind, they get angry and upset. No, we are sinners. I say, fine. If you're adamant on being a sinner, be a sinner, fine. But if you're going to get mad at anybody, don't get mad at me because I didn't make this. This is in the word of God, 2 Corinthians 5.21, that God has made us the righteousness of God in Christ. But you must remember that all these things that we are, are in Christ. We are not that outside Christ. You understand that it's very important to understand that everything that we are in Christ, we are in Christ. We are, we are because of Jesus, because of his sacrifice. So we are in Christ. That means that as long as we live in Christ, then these things are valid for us and they work for us. But if we choose for any reason, to put ourselves outside of Christ. And people can do that. How can you do that? Well, when you willfully sin and you don't want to repent, you don't. You want to go your own way, then I'm sorry, you can no longer claim the benefits of being in Christ. You know, I'm not saying, you know, you lose your salvation or you don't lose your salvation. That's not where I'm going. What I'm saying is that these blessings of God are in Christ. And as long as you and I identify ourselves in Christ and we stay in Christ, then we will enjoy all these benefits of what Jesus has done for us because they're all in Christ. And what I'm trying to say, if you choose to live in sin, I'm sorry, you can't claim to live in sin and at the same time claim to be living in God's grace because the whole idea of living about living inside God's grace is to be set, is to being set free from sin. So anyway, so God has made us the righteousness of God in Christ. So 
we had been actually made not only righteous, but we had been made righteousness. That means that you and I have the right to stand before God without guilt, without an inferiority complex, without anything of that sort. And we can call God our father. And God says, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may receive help in the time of need. So when I have a need, I can boldly come to the throne of grace. Why? Because through the blood of Jesus, I have been made righteous. Amen. Now, Ephesians 1, 17 to 23. This is a prayer that Paul prays for the church. Okay. So <coughs> this is what he says. He says for... I'm sorry, got to drink some water here. Got this, this air conditioning gives me a little bit of a, you know, irritated throat. I said, okay, this is what he prays. He says, for I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you. Paul is praying that God may grant us the church a spirit of wisdom and revelation that is a spirit of wisdom of revelation of insight. Again, I'm reading this from the Amplified Bible of insight into the mysteries and the secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of God. So he's praying for us that we may have a spirit of wisdom of revela and revelation that gives us an insight into the mysteries and the secrets uh, in the deep and intimate knowledge of God. Then saying, and then he says, verse 18, by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints. So he says that uh, he's asking that God may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and all that so that the eyes of our heart, not just these eyes, but the eyes of our heart, they may be filled with light so that we can know and we can understand the hope to which he has called us and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints. So the hope that he has called us is, I believe it's referring to the hope of heaven, the hope of eternal life, right? So God wants us to understand how wonderfully rich this hope is. And then it says, and also how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints. And that is speaking of this life, because I don't need my inheritance in heaven. I need it here. So God wants us to have a revelation of the richness of his glorious inheritance in the saints here in this earth. That's why it's important for us to understand who we are in Christ Jesus. I really personally believe that we Christians you know, we are so used to religion. You know, Christianity has become religion. We, 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 um, we are so used to this religious way of thinking. And, 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 and there you have God who has all the wonderful riches of his grace and, and, and his power that is available to us. And, 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 and it's not a life without trials or, uh, or a life without, uh, uh, without opposition, but the riches of his grace uh, give us things that are that enable us to overcome every single thing that comes against us. If we could only understand, uh, you know, his glorious inheritance that we have here in this life, 
that all the provision and all the riches of his presence, his power and his provision and his everything we need to live in this life and to fulfill his life that is offered to us. And yet sometimes I feel we, we live so far below uh, the level to at which God wants to us to live. You know, like, you know, for example, uh, you know, like back home in Sweden, uh, we got the churches who will, who will preach against, uh, you know, just preach against stuff, preach against people being positive and preach against people being, uh, being uh, talking about living in victory and they think it's a light kind of Christianity and they mock us and say, you're talking about victory and healing and life, but God wants us to suffer. Yet at the same time, I read their annual reports and they're always talking about how they're losing members and how they're losing people and how they don't have enough money to run their missions. And it doesn't make sense to me because you see, uh, God has given us a lot of things in our hearts, missions, feeding the poor. And, and uh, uh, right now, right now, as I write, you know, I've just put up a GoFundMe. I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to feed a hundred pastors in Zimbabwe and, and Mozambique who are on the verge of starvation. I want to buy them enough uh, basic staples for, to last them for three months because of this COVID-19 situation. And that kind of thing, if you want to have that, and I'm just one man, if you want to have that kind of money to give that kind of help to people, you better be positive. You better be full of faith. You better believe in prosperity. You better believe that God supplies. You can't have a defeatist attitude and expect that God will do great things. It doesn't work that way. So, so the Bible, I mean, the Bible tells us, Jesus says, yes, in this world, you will have trouble, but fear not because I have overcome this world. So, so if Paul wants us to pray that he's praying for us that our eyes be flooded with hope and light so that we um, understand the hope that we uh, uh, that he has called us to and how rich his glorious inheritance is in the saints. I mean, how much of God's riches and, you know, are, are there for us available to us. To, for us to do his will and to fulfill his will, to preach the gospel, to feed the poor, to live victoriously, to do the will of God. Hallelujah. Then it says here, verse 19, so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age and in this world, but also in the age and the world which are to come. Amen. So it says that Paul is praying that God, that our, our, uh, the eyes of a heart be flooded with light uh, for these, for you know, for, for these three things. Firstly, that uh, we understand the hope to which you are called. And secondly, how rich our inheritance is, you know, how rich our inheritance is in Christ. And thirdly, so that we can understand the immeasurable, that means cannot be measured, and unlimited and the surpassing greatness of his power in us and for us. God wants us to understand 
the immeasurable. I mean, there's no gauge that can measure it. And unlimited, without limits, and surpassing greatness of his power in us and through us. That means God help us understand, help us have a revelation of the of the unlimited and immeasurable and surpassing greatness of your power in and for us, which you demonstrated, which you demonstrated when you raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at your own right in heavenly places. And then it says here, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named both in, the, in this age and in the world and also in the age <coughs> and the world which are to come. It means that God wants us to understand the greatness of his power. The same power, he wants us to understand that the same exertion of power with which he raised Jesus Christ from the dead when Jesus Christ was in Hades and the power that God sent down to raise him up out of Hades, raise him up and raise him up out of his grave and raise him up up to heaven and seating him at his own right hand side. That power is in us and for us as believers. That's what the Bible says. That power, the greatness of that immeasurable, unlimited power with which God raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and me, and that is a part of our inheritance. That is why the Bible says, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, he shall strengthen this mortal body by that same spirit. That means that's why healing belongs to us and blessings belong to us and everything that God has on this earth, we have access to because we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And why? So that we can bless people, we can touch people's lives and fulfill his purposes here on this earth. And then verse, then verse 22, it goes on. It says that uh, God wants us to, I mean, this is quite a mouthful, okay, but stay with me. It says that God wants us to have a revelation of this mighty power that is at work within us, with which he raised up Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand side in the heavenly places and far above every name and far above every power that is in this world, not only in this world of now, but in the ages to come. That means that same power with which God raised up Jesus and exalted him to heaven at his own right hand side, that power works in you and me and lives in me and is working on our behalf right now, even as I am sitting here and talking to you and that he wants us to have a revelation of this also in verse 22 and that he has put all things under his feet under the feet of Jesus and has appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all for in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself oh hallelujah this is this is shouting territory we are on. And he says that God, not only that power with which God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand side in heavenly places, but also that Jesus in his, you know, that power is working in us, but Jesus has been exalted to that place. Okay. 
and God has put everything, everything, everything in this world under his feet. And Jesus has been made the supreme head of the church and the church is his body. The church is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. For in that body lives the full measure of him. I want you to understand. You know, we talk about the body of Christ. Like it's a club or an organization. Listen, let me tell you what the body of Christ is. Body of Christ is actually a body. Like I have my body, two arms, two legs, my torso, my head. I have a body. You have a body. Christ has a body. Okay? Now, the body of Christ is the church. The church is the body of Christ on earth. So, Jesus is the head of the body. So that means that the same life that is in the head is in his body. That's what it means. The, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you and in me. The same life that is in the head is in us. And so then it says, verse 23, Jesus is the head and we are the rest of the body. We are the fingers, the arms, the legs, the toes, etc., etc. It says the church is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. For in that body lives the full measure of him. Hallelujah. <clears throat> that means the full measure of Jesus is not only in the head, but it is found in the body. Like if you look at Christopher Alam. The full measure of Christopher Alam is not only in Christopher Alam's head, but it is in my whole body, right? When I pray for the sick, I don't lay my head upon them. I lay my hands upon them because, so what he's saying that the full measure of Christ is in the body, that Christ in his fullness dwells in us who are his body. The same power that raised him from the dead is in you and me, hallelujah, because we have been raised together with Christ and seated with him in heavenly places. And now we are together with Jesus in heavenly places and we are his body, we are his body. And because we are his body, the fullness of who Jesus is, is found in every member, every part of the body. And now I'm just talking about you who are watching me and me, that the fullness of Jesus lives in your body and lives in my body. And he who fills all in all, I mean, in his, this body, he lives the fullness of God. And he says, who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself. That means that wherever I go, Jesus goes because he lives in this body. I'm a part of him, you know, and if I believe it's Ephesians 5 verse 30. I could be wrong. I think it's 530. It says, for we are his body, his flesh and his bones. Can you think of it? My hands are actually his hands. So uh, my, my, my eyes are his eyes. My body his, is, is his body. And uh, it was not that way before I was saved. But because of the work of Jesus upon the cross, suddenly I am a member of Christ. I'm a part of the body of Christ. And my flesh is his flesh. My bones are his bones. My hands are his hands. And he lives in me in his fullness. The same power that raised him from the dead dwells in me. And that's why I have access to everything that he has by faith. And that is what makes us 
able to do the works of Jesus here on this earth. That's what enables us to preach the gospel, to pray for the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons and believe God for impossible things and feed the poor and <coughs> feed the hungry, take care of widows and orphans and all those things God has called us to do. We have all the provision we need because we are part of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. That is a wonderful, wonderful truth. Now, let's look at certain, I call them in him realities, who we are in Christ. In Ephesians 1 verses 4 to 7, it says, this is what it says. It says, even as in his love, he chose us, actually picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless in his sight, even above reproach before him in love. Isn't it wonderful? That way before I was born, in fact, way before the foundation of the world was laid, even before Adam and Eve were created, God, who sees all things, he saw me and he chose me and he chose you. You might think your life is insignificant, but let me tell you this. Before God created the heavens and the earth, before Adam and Eve were created, God, who knows all things, he saw you in the future and he chose you and he picked you out. It says for his own in Christ before the foundation of the world that you should be consecrated and set apart for him and blameless in even sight, even above reproach before him in love. So God chose us and he loved us and he separated you and separated me unto himself and said that we are his own. Hallelujah. And that is his will. And that is what it means to surrender to the will of God. That's the first thing is that just keep myself. Father, this is your will. You chose me. You've picked me out. So I'm yours. Hallelujah. Then it says, verse five, for he foreordained us, destined us, planned in love for us to be adopted, revealed as his children through Jesus Christ in accordance with the purpose of his will, because it pleased him and was his kind kind intent. So it means that then he predestined that we should be revealed or adopted as his children through Jesus Christ. And that although we were chosen from before the beginning of time, but we were adopted and we were revealed as his sons when we gave our life to Jesus. When I gave my life to Jesus, I was revealed as a son. I was adopted as a son. Then it says, Verse 6, so that we might be to the praise and the commendation of his glorious grace, which he so freely bestowed on us in the beloved. So in Christ Jesus, this is, these are in Christ realities. In Christ Jesus, God, he has freely bestowed grace upon grace and unlimited favor and mercy upon us. And then it says, verse 7, in him, in him, we are talking about who we are in him. We have redemption. We have deliverance and salvation through his blood and remission, forgiveness of our offenses, shortcomings and trespasses in accordance with the riches and the generosity of his gracious favor. Hallelujah. That means God has given us grace upon grace and in him we have forgiveness, we have redemption, and God embraces us and called us, calls us as his own. This is who we are in Christ. Okay, and we will continue with more 
such scriptures tomorrow. And let me pray with you. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray, Father, that all of us may walk in that revelation of what you have done for us through Jesus upon the cross and the greatness of your power that is in us and for us as believers. Thank you, Jesus, that you're working in our lives. We thank you for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'll be seeing you again tomorrow. God bless you.